Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 061. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, we like to describe ourselves as optimists. We like people to believe we are positive and see the best of what's around us. But as we gain more life experience, our optimism can dwindle. It can even be replaced completely by cynicism. This Easter, we begin a new worship series that looks at challenges everybody faces but nobody sees coming. This first obstacle, cynicism, doesn't escape even the disciples. But that didn't stop Jesus from working in their lives. Check it out. Hi, my name is Brian, and I'm an optimist. It's the way we would love to be able to describe ourselves, isn't it? To be able to say, to be able to honestly say, let me put it that way, that we see the best in life, that we see the best in people, in situations that we're in. Maybe you think of it as the first job you ever had, probably going into your adult life, and you think, you know what? I am going to change the world, or at least I'm going to change my little corner of it. Maybe Optimist isn't going far enough. Maybe I should say, hi, I'm Brian. I'm an idealist. Back when I was in my 20s, that was certainly the way I looked at it. Wanted to make the world a better place, at least as far as I could. But then something happens, or maybe a couple of somethings happen. Maybe you have a coworker who shoots down every idea that you come up with, even the best you've got. Maybe your heart is broken more times than you'd ever want to admit to. Maybe we need to change our name from idealist to, hi, I'm Brian, and I'm a recovering optimist. (laughs) Or, at some point, let's just be honest and call it what it is, hi, I'm Brian, and I'm a cynic. Not the way we ever would want to introduce ourselves to somebody. Not the adjective we would often want to have used to describe us to another person. Is there any chance that Easter could give us hope in those moments that feed such an adjective? That make us feel like we can only think about the worst that is going on? The good news is, you better believe it does. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for transforming human history through this day through Easter. With that same power that emptied the tomb, use that power to change our lives. All this we pray in your name. Amen. Well, again, I want to welcome you to this day of hope, Easter Sunday, a day when we can celebrate having hope in those moments when life seems to make us bitter, to make us cynical. We're going to start a new series that is built off of, or inspired by a book by a best-selling author called Didn't See It Coming. And the subtitle says it all. It says, Overcoming the Greatest Challenges That No One Expects and Everyone Experiences. Because nobody expects, just as one example, that they're going to get to a certain point of life where cynicism becomes the de facto way of thinking. And Lord knows we can all use hope when it comes to things like Loneliness, emptiness, feeling disconnected. And the good thing is, Easter gives us hope, even in those times when cynicism seems to rule the day. How do I know this? 
How can I put Easter and cynicism side by side? Because the Easter story contains one of the biggest cynics in the Bible. Because here's where I'm going to continue the story. Beyond what we often read on Easter Sunday to where we read maybe on the next Sunday. But there's just as much validity in the story of the cynic that followed Jesus for three years. Starting off on verse 19 of John 20. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. And so the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, Unless I see the marks of his nails in his hands, and I put my finger into the marks in the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and this time Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he walked up to Thomas, and he said to him, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, let's frame the context of what is going on here in this story. Jesus' followers, his disciples, just watched their teacher, their friend, brutally killed just a couple of days before. Now, these are guys who, 12 guys, 11 at this point, because Judas is out of the picture, who put all their hope in Jesus. They thought he was going to be their salvation. They didn't quite know how, but they left everything for him. They went all in on Jesus. Left their homes, left their families, left their careers to follow this man for three years. And when they saw him killed, I guarantee their hope died with it. Their hope was crushed, seeing Jesus defeated for a season. I'm guessing any sense of optimism or idealism that they had got buried in that tomb with Jesus. So that being the setting, having gone all in, having said, you are my one and only hope, and to see Jesus murdered on a cross, honestly, can any of us blame Thomas for being cynical in this moment? Let's be honest, I probably would have reacted the exact same way. The fact is, cynicism will sneak up on anybody, believer or unbeliever alike. Maybe it sneaks up on us because we know too much. Maybe we've been through enough life that, well, we start to miss out on seeing the best and we start maybe even seeing the worst as we approach a new situation or a new person. We start to think that Murphy's Law is the statement that governs the whole universe. 
that whatever could go wrong will go wrong. Maybe we even go so far as to think Murphy was an optimist. I've seen this a lot with soldiers, with policemen, people who day in and day out see the worst that humanity has to offer. Maybe you've gotten burned by friends or by family or in relationships. You know what? I'm going to take a bit of a creative license here to say maybe Thomas was a hopeless romantic and he got dropped by more crushes than he would ever care to admit. I'd certainly want to guard myself against that if that had happened often enough. Maybe you've had a couple of jerk neighbors in the past. And so when you go into a new house or a new neighborhood, the first thing you do is you put up a 10-foot fence all around you so that nobody can see you, nobody can bother you, nobody can be a jerk at you. And while that may be an example with a literal fence, it kind of symbolizes exactly what we do with our lives and with our hearts. And nobody goes into life, nobody goes into at least our adult life wanting that kind of attitude, wanting to seeing the worst in people or the worst in situations. That's why Carrie Newoff says that age and cynicism are often frequent companions. It's something that sneaks up on us, that sort of just develops and, and blindsides us as life goes on. But the thing is, when we start to have this attitude, when this starts to become our default, it lets our past failures or our past experiences rule or maybe even ruin the stuff that's yet to come, the new situations that we walk into. Now, no doubt, being a cynic protects us. Being calloused, being hard-hearted protects us from being hurt. I'm guessing Thomas, maybe even more than any of the other disciples, felt hurt when he saw his friend, his savior, the one he put everything, all his eggs in, in Jesus' basket. When he saw him on that cross, a shred of a human being, I'm guessing he was crushed. When he saw the other disciples and Joseph of Arimathea put him in the tomb, I'm guessing he just, he wanted to give up. I would have. Cynicism doesn't sneak up on us because we don't care. It sneaks up on us because we do. It would have hurt Thomas because he loved Jesus. It would have hurt John and Peter and, and James and, and Andrew and all the other disciples because they loved Jesus, because they cared. And when we care and we get burned, it hurts. So sometimes we think, you know what? I just got to stop caring. I got to build that fence. I got to build that wall so I can be safe. And trust me, I say this with absolutely no judgment because I am the master at this. Now, if you guys who know even bits of my story know years ago, I took cynicism, I took guarding myself to an epic level of art form. And while it protected me, while it kept me from feeling hurt, from feeling people burn me, you know, expect the worst, then you'll never be disappointed. Maybe you've heard that idea before. Well, yeah, it works. You're not hurt by the disappointments, but you never get to experience the joy of the good stuff. And you start to carry that callousness that you experienced in the past and that guards you in the past and, and you apply it to everything that happens in the future and, well, there's no real choice but to become cynical because you have nothing to be optimistic about. Maybe that's where you are right now. Even as we read this story, maybe you sit here and you're politely listening to me because that's what you do on a Sunday morning when some guy with a microphone is up front talking, but inside 
mentally, in your heart, you're, just, you're sitting there like this. Like, I know this. I've heard this story before. The same story every spring. When's this guy up front going to be done so I can get on to the coffee and the donuts? Maybe even worse. I don't know. I don't claim to be a mind reader. Even the most hardcore atheist probably knows the story of Easter. Knows the what of Easter. So let me give you the so what. When cynicism tries to kill your hope, it is found born again in an empty tomb. Jesus, in this week, he took the worst that humanity had to offer, had to throw at him, took rejection, took anger, took betrayal, took hatred, took even death itself, took it all, and everything that is a perfect recipe for cynicism, took it all on and met it all with love. The fact is, Jesus, he beat that cross. He beat that grave. He beat death itself so that we could have a relationship with one who would never feed our cynicism. Who, when we've gotten burned by people we love, by people we care about, Jesus says, you know what, I'm not that person. Maybe you've met people, Christians among this room, who you describe God as a good father, and they're like, (laughs) one exists. And they take that image of somebody who did it wrong and apply it to somebody who does it absolutely perfectly. Jesus is that one who does it absolutely perfectly. And it takes the power of the empty tomb to get to the point where we can shatter all that stuff that happened before, all those past experiences that make us wear the cynic name tag if we want to be honest with ourselves. So that we can experience the joy and the abundant life that that one gives us, that that one gave his life for. See, Jesus sees our cynicism, yours, mine, whatever it may be, whatever may have caused it, and meets it with love. He sees the despair that you experience, and he counters it with hope. He sees the doubts that we have, and I have them probably just as much as anybody, and he lobs belief back into your court again and again and again, as many times as it takes. Your cynicism cannot withstand the power of that empty tomb. Your despair cannot hold up against the relentless pursuit of love. Your hope cannot die if the empty tomb is what is empowering it. But that hope starts with a question. Jesus, will you be my savior? Will you forgive me for those times when I have given you all the reason in the world to be cynical about me? To look at me and think, the worst is yet to come. Will you be the one who takes charge in my life? These are the kinds of questions that start this journey. Will you be the one who gives me that life that you have in mind? That life that is more adventurous and better and more pure and more joyful than I could even come up with on my own, out of my own imagination? Those questions are my next steps for you. Have you ever asked them? If you never have, you know what? Today is the day you can experience that joy. You can experience that crushing of cynicism that that sneaks up on us, that, that becomes the de facto of our lives without us even wanting it. That hope that comes from the empty tomb can be yours today. And if you have, 
If you have asked those questions, if you have prayed, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior, we get both in like we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. If you've prayed, God, take over. Be the one who, who's, who's the pilot of my life instead of being the co-pilot. Even if you're asking those questions today, this still counts for you. That whenever, across this day, this week, this month, this season, whatever, you start to feel that cynicism come back up, surface back up again. And hopefully now you'll, you'll recognize it when it comes. Then i got four words for you. And the empty tomb empowers these exact words. Jesus, go to work. Go to work. Do what only you can do to this attitude of mine, to this default of mine. And let the one who beat death itself be the one who gives you abundant life. Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. See you next week on the Woodlane Worship Podcast.